This is the Mobile Tech Podcast, brought to you by worldpodcasts.com. Now here's your host, tech girl, Miriam Joie. Brought to you by Audible. Stay tuned to the end of the show for a special deal. Hi, and welcome to the Mobile Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Miriam Joie, and today is Thursday, April 9th, 2020. And my guest is Brenda Stoliar of Mashable. Hi, Brenda. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm super great. I'm super stoked to have you on the show today, actually. This is kind of fun. Yeah, thank you for having me. I mean, I haven't done very many. I think this is my second podcast <laughs> recording, uh, so I'm excited to to do these now. Yeah, no, this is awesome. I've been wanting to have you on for a while, so the timing's kind of perfect. So tell me, uh, what are your phones right now? What are you using? Okay, let's see. Um, I have been swapping back and forth between the iPhone 11 Pro and the S20 Ultra, actually. Um, nice. Yeah. Well, that's pretty reasonable. I mean, those are pretty... Um, I mean, you can't go wrong with an iPhone 11 of any kind. And the the Galaxy S20 is being a pretty solid phone. So you're, you're sticking with the Ultra then, huh? Well, so, I mean, given the uh, whole quarantine situation, uh, I basically packed up, like, all my stuff super fast to come back to my parents after uh, we got, like, the work-from-home order. Right. And I immediately reached for the Ultra because I figured I'd use it for a lot of uh, camera comparisons for some upcoming phones. That makes sense, um, yeah. Yeah, so that was, like, my immediate thought was, like, okay, S20 Ultra, but... um. It does also have the uh, stabilization for video, uh, which now that we're all home, we have to record our own B-roll for product reviews and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, so, right. So I, oh, I that opted makes sense. for it. Well, that's a good call. So speaking of phones that, uh, I mean, there's been a bunch of really good camera phones. Like I covered them on the show last week, like in the week before and the week before and the week before, uh, like the P40 Pro and the Oppo Find X2 Pro. Um, those are, you know, pretty solid. Also have like a folded lens, like a periscope. But of course, there's some upcoming phones. Uh, OnePlus is having an event next week, so we should be looking forward to that. And and I kind of want to discuss with you at some point the news around uh, the rumored OnePlus Z, which sounds very interesting. Yeah. And then um, last week, TCL actually announced the pricing and the tech details for this 10 series phones that they uh, showed us at CS. Were you at CS for that? I was uh, when they sort of just kind of teased it, I remember. Uh, we Yeah, so, I mean, and then they were supposed to launch it originally at, at MWC. MWC, like everyone else. Yeah. Did you get a chance to, <laughs> to get a first impression at the time? Like, what was your take? Or did you get uh, briefed in New York later on? So I got briefed in New York later on. They were, um, I remember we walked into the room at the booth at CES that they had uh they were like behind the glass uh cases yeah and so they were like here's the 10 series and we were like okay and then they were like uh you know it's our these are our new phones but wait for the specs so we were all just like okay yeah it was a bit weird right like I I they actually got me uh I went over to the MGM Grand they had a suite there somewhere and they showed us the phones and let us play with them a bit, but they wouldn't give us any specs and wouldn't let us run like, you know, CPU-Z and whatever else to find out. And they looked like pretty shiny. So I, I'm, I'm always on for shiny phones, like especially um, 
that 10 Pro, which is really nice looking, the metal one, the the $450 one. And so I was like, this is great, but like, I'm not going to make a hands-on video now because I don't have specs. There's no point. So I, instead I did a hands-on video with that shiny folding one that they had. Remember that? Yes. The green oh one? Oh my God. Yes. It. Re the only thing that always comes to mind with that thing is I, I think of like mermaids because of that, like, um, <laughs> that, like, what is it called? The, ugh, that design and that, that texture of it. Cause it's yeah. like green and then it has like that scaly looking, um, feel and look to it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was, I remember they definitely teased, um, I specifically remember they teased the fact that it was a 5G lineup and that it would be super affordable. Um, so some people covered it with that angle, but yeah, I mainly covered the, the foldable because I was like, what am I supposed to It's exactly say? my point. I was like, you know, at the time I didn't think the apocalypse was going to happen. I figured, you know, I'll go to MWC, I'll do a hands-on there when we have the specs, blah, blah, blah. Kudos for TCL for making another phone. I was like, okay. And then, uh, of course, uh, things, our plans all changed. And so I actually couldn't make the briefing in, in, in New York because I'm in the, you know, the Bay Area. So I was like, mm -hmm. damn. Um, so I ended up uh, getting to spend some time since uh, some of the TCL folks are based on the West Coast. I got to spend uh, like a, an hour with the phones like two weeks ago or something. And so I'll link in the show notes to your article about the TCL 10 series. And I will also link to my hands-on video that I did. Um, so I finally did get a chance to play with them a little bit. And my first impressions at CS was that, you know, th there's three, right? There's a 10L, which is a $250 a Snapdragon 665 phone. And then there's the, mm -hmm. the 10 5G, which is exactly the same physical shape and features and chassis, but is uh, Snapdragon 765G with 5G. And that's exciting because they say it's going to be less than 500 but they didn't actually commit to a price or a time frame on that. And then there is that the one I already talked about briefly because I think it's my my favorite one, which also has that kind of weird greenish, not yes. quite as bright, but mermaid color, which is the 10 Pro. And that one is metal and glass, not plastic like the other two. And that one's 450 and it's Snapdragon 675. But they intrigued me simply because, you know, it's nice to see TCL make phones after their success in the TV world. Mm -hmm. And we know that, you know, they make Alcatel phones for those of you who are not following. So it's not like a, a new thing, really. But at the same time, four cameras on each of these phones kind of intrigued me. And then the pricing and then the 5G and the metal and glass hotness that is the 10 Pro. But honestly, I wasn't too impressed with the kind of plasticky finish on the... I mean, they're shiny, which I like, but... I didn't feel like, how did you feel about them when you finally played with them in New York? Um, I mean, yeah, I really like that they're, you know, with the, as you mentioned, with the 10 Pro that they're incorporating this like very sleek uh, look. Like I think the green is, is very different than what we're seeing, um, you know, so it definitely adds to the design and the style. Um, I'm going to say, though, I know you said that the 10L, yes, the 10L does feel very plasticky and, and it reminds me of like the Alcatel budget phones. <laughs> um, but I really appreciate the fingerprint sensor on the back. Um, yeah, I agree. That's totally, I'm totally on board for that. Yep. I'm so over, I mean, it hasn't really even started, but I'm kind of already over the in-display uh, fingerprint sensor on really any phone because I just feel like it's frustrating and it lags and most of the time it 
for some reason doesn't recognize my fingerprint. <laughs> so I'd rather the physical physical fingerprint. Yeah, I, I'm 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 100% on board. I've, I mean, I like the in-display in the sense that it's kind of high-tech and cool, right? But it's, um, and it's gotten way better in terms of accuracy. But first of all, the ultrasonic one on the Samsung phones has been very hit and miss still for a lot of mm-hmm. people. For me, it's always mm-hmm. been good, but I know a lot of people having problems. The optical ones have gotten really good, especially on Huawei, Oppo, OnePlus, and other Chinese brands. Um, but my biggest gripe with all of these is the same gripe I had with the iPhone before Face ID, which was it's in the front, right? So a lot of people are like, well, this is great because you put your phone down, you know, face up on your desk and you can just unlock by tapping the, the, the screen or now the screen back then, the bezel below the screen for your fingerprint. And I'm like, but no, you don't understand. That's how, that's not usually my use case. Usually my use case is the phone is in my pocket. And having a fingerprint sensor on the back of the phone means that I can reach in my pocket, locate the fingerprint sensor with my index, tap it while I pull the phone out. And by the time I look at it, it's unlocked. It's faster than Face ID even. Yep. It's just, it's a more intuitive uh, motion all around, I'd say. Um, So what I want to see, thinking of that, is mm -hmm. the only problem I have with the fingerprint sensors in the back on a modern phone is it kind of looks old now and mm-hmm. and yep. I first of all I don't like the shape they're kind of squircle round mm-hmm. cornered square of the Alcatel I mean this is like me being super nitpicky <laughs> but <laughs> the point is that's my opinion I don't like the square look I would I'd rather have a round one Moto is doing a really nice thing with their fingerprint readers on the back of their G series for example we're going to talk about those in a sec where yep. um it's embedded in their logo so it just looks like a logo in the back when you tap it and it's a fingerprint sensor i want someone to do a kind of in back panel fingerprint sensor like instead of in display under the glass in the back just just have a little nipple or nub in there like something that you know like on your keyboard you have those two spots where you know on the letter f and the letter j where to touch type and put your fingers and you feel the little bump I want a little bump in the back of the phone where the fingerprint sensor is underneath the glass that you just tap. And so it's still in the back, but you can't obviously see it in the back. You can feel it. You know roughly yeah. where it is. That would be huh. sexy, right? Like, I like that. I never thought about that. I'm like, they can totally do that. They can already put it under <laughs> glass in a display. So I'm sure they can just put it on a glass without display. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I agree that they definitely do look outdated now. Uh like to have the physical but i did not think to put it underneath on the back though i think that would be like and then prime. why not put it also under the screen so you have two fingerprint sensors you know yes. one in the back one in the front and then yeah. your face id boom you can have multiple yeah. ways and you know renee ritchie at used to be at imore who's now uh gone solo on youtube congrats renee by the way um yes. he and i had a, i had him on the show a while back and we were talking about the future of authentication on phones and i think that we came away with this idea that we feel that the future is that every surface of the phone has fingerprint sensing in it, right? Some To some extent, like not completely covered, but a big chunk of the sides, a big chunk of the back and the most of the front, bottom half of the phone, maybe in the front, mm-hmm. are all fingerprint sensor. And you still have Face ID, like with the, you know, the dot projector, like the really accurate 3D, the stuff that Apple and Huawei use and and, uh, Google does with the Pixel 4 now. That super accurate um, Face ID, all that combined, 
doesn't just identify you one way. You know what I'm saying? Like it's extra security because if another hand picks up your phone, then yours and shines it in your face, the face ID will say, oh, that's, that's, that's Brenda, but the hand is not Brenda's, <laughs> right? And then it'll say, right. no, nope. right? You see what I'm saying? So we right. were thinking that in the future, more and more phones will be probably covered with sensors because sensors will become super cheap and that's kind of how it'll um, know it's you. And so I think huh. that's why I'm like saying, why wouldn't we have more than one fingerprint sensor? In the same way as Qualcomm when we were in Hawaii in December, they showed us a, the, their new ultrasonic sensor is like an inch by an inch square or may, maybe two inches by an inch. It's really big. So you don't really have to be very accurate about where you mm -hmm. put your finger on the screen. This is what we do on this show. We went down a rabbit hole talking about the Squircle TCL Series 10 in-back fingerprint sensor <laughs> and went all the way down the rabbit hole. <laughs> Well done. I mean, yeah, I think it would be great to be able to incorporate, you know, sensors all around or even just kind of redesign the fact that, you know, why, of why we only have one to begin with. Um, I think it's going to take, I don't know, I think when you, when, we were, when you were talking about it, what I immediately thought of with having like an extra one, you know, on the back where you can't see is like, I remember when Apple completely ditched the touch id button yeah and you had to introduce this new world of face id to apple users who you and know some still don't want it like my spouse right. has an iphone se and is waiting for the new se which we're going to talk about in a sec yes and yes. they just don't want the face id they want a fingerprint sensor in the front well when I remember my dad needed to get a new phone and I mean, he's very good with tech. Like, I don't know why I even doubted him, but my immediate thought was like, is he going to want to get used to face ID? Like, is he yeah. going to get tired of it? So it's almost like every time we kind of try to redesign something, my immediate thought is like, is it going to catch on? And are people going to want to learn how to use it? <laughs> so, you know, maybe that's why they're sticking to kind of like a one or the other type deal of like here's the physical button and then here's you know for the more advanced people here's here's your in display fingerprint sensor so i think we're kind of slowly inching yeah i i think that multiple ways is a smart thing to do which is why i hate to say this because i know apple that doesn't often come back on their decisions but i do feel that it would be really cool if iphone 12 next year like the higher end iphones have both face ID and an in-display fingerprint sensor that they call Touch ID Plus or whatever, right? Like, why not give people an option? Um, I, mean, I know Apple's not going to do that. Although, you know, they've come <laughs> back on the butterfly keyboard and stuff, so and we're going to talk about that in a second. But to wrap up the TCLs, I, I'm kind of feeling like, to me, the, the, the takeaway is that I'm very impressed overall at the spec sheet for the money on all three of these, particularly the 5G below 500. I mean, it's not the only one, you know, but it's the first, like, announced for the U.S. that's 500 or less than 500 for 5G. We have, like, phones like the Mi 10 Lite um, that is 380 euros and is 5G, but that's a Chinese phone that might be sold in Europe, might have GMS and everything, but is not a phone that's going to be available officially in the U.S. So this is a big deal. And honestly, the one, if you want the, the kind of the luxury model of the three, like the one that feels like a, a, a proper premium, affordable flagship, kind of like OnePlus makes the 7T, which is cheaper than the 7T Pro. 
which is more affordable and is still a flagship. I kind of think of the uh, of the 10 Pro as the the fancy one of the three. Uh, but I was put off a little bit by the plastic uh, frame and plastic back cover on that uh, on that 10L, and it's the same on the 10 5G. So you know you do cut corners to get to that $500. But the reality is that if you want 5G and the 765 is a pretty fast processor, that's going to be pretty impressive, right? Yeah, I mean, I think it's important that, you know, we do incorporate 5G into affordable models because I think um, it's it's an interesting time for 5G, obviously. Right. But um, I think that, you know, obviously smartphone manufacturers are incorporating them into their flagships. Given, I mean, my theory is given the fact that 5G is going to still take a couple of years where it's like literally accessible as soon as you walk outside. Um, so I think that they're pushing out these like crazy specced out extensive phones with 5G because they're like, well, that way you're not going to have to upgrade in a few years when 5G hits, you know, like you're already going to have these uh, top of the line specs with the 5G modem. So you're good to go. Um, but I think we're forgetting about you know, the people that don't want to drop over a thousand dollars to get that 5G. So um, I think it's it's definitely important to to fill that 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 void in that market, but then also not have to sacrifice things like the camera um, yeah. or the processor. So it's it's needed. Um, I do like that TCL is giving, you know, giving that budget option um, and not forcing people to have to have like a shitty camera so yeah it's it's nice to not have to to have to sacrifice price camera you know and and the 5g modem or even a nice design so i like that they still looks nice i mean does it look a little cheap in terms of like i, I think the 10 pro looks looks pretty sleek. oh the 10 pro is glass and metal i have no complaints yeah. i just feel like that plastic has been done better than the other two is what i'm saying even at that price point. yeah i'll give you an example we're about to talk about the moto g series the stylus and the power um they went all the way to glass and aluminum on the g series with the g6 and then they've kind of back pedaled since then and gone back to more plastic and this mm -hmm. year the the new g series which would normally be the eights the g8 but it's not called the g8 is actually plastic all around even the back cover even the, the the frame but it's it feels like it's not it's definitely you can tell it's plastic if you like you and me and play with all the phones all the time but i think most people would probably not notice whereas i felt like with the tcls that that you know plated chrome finish on the plastic frame just felt like you know the cheap you know chrome plated plastics we saw back in the 80s and 90s on electronics you know i'm just like come on you guys can do better than that in 2020 <laughs> you know yeah That's... no you're right for sure like, I, I mean I do if wish... it was a hundred dollar phone i'd be like whatever but it's still a yeah. you know mm -hmm. the f 400 something for the five for the 5g model at least um yeah i will say i remember my first question when i saw the 10 pro back at CES was like, what was pro about it? And I even asked that at the briefing as well. It's true. It's um, not a Snapdragon <laughs> flagship or anything. Yeah. Right. And they were just like, well, it, you know, obviously I, I'm not going to say verbatim what they said because I literally don't remember. But what I took from that was, um, you know, that's your, it's just sleeker. It's just, it looks nicer. You know what I mean? It's just like, mm -hmm, okay. Mm -hmm. I mean, it'll confuse people a little bit, uh, but. Yeah, it's interesting know. that the Pro does not have 5G. Right. Right. The it, Pro has just, a Snapdragon 675, not a 765. So yeah. It was just, I, 
Yeah, I, I mean, especially when you have something like the iPhone 11 Pro, obviously they're naming it the Pro because of what it offers, you know, whether it's the camera or um, the different features. Yep. And so immediately when I saw Pro, I was like, okay, so what's like Pro about it? But yeah. it's still nice. Well, I hear you, for <laughs> sure. I mean, look, I think it's nice to see a mid-range, like a brand focusing on a mid-range product Mm-hmm. For the U.S. market, this is not just some phone that's made by TCL, a Chinese company. This is specifically targeted to be sold by U.S. operators and U.S. stores like Best Buy, B&H, Amazon, right? So that's exci- That's the exciting part. And, yeah. uh, you know, the G-Series, which we're going to talk about, has been the kind of like, you know, the, the holder of the flame of the torch the torchbearer, I believe, is the right expression for the mid-range in the U.S. because it's such a good phone for the money. And, it, you know, we'll see if these new G-series continue that way when we get the devices. But, you know, some competition there is helpful and healthy, right? So, yeah, that's kind of how I take my take on it. Uh, four cameras on all of them. They have a, a main, an ultra-wide, a macro, and a depth sensor. It's a very interesting setup. They don't have a telephoto, but... At that price point, I don't really care. So, yeah, you know. agreed. Yeah, especially at the 249 TCL 10L price point, getting a 48 megapixel main sensor is not bad. I mean, you know, megapixels don't mean anything. We know that. But at the same time, the 48 megapixel sensors out there, assuming they're using the ones that already exist, are generally pretty well sorted. So I'm feeling pretty confident. And I did try the camera out a little bit on the 10 Pro, which has a 64 megapixel camera, main camera. And I was actually pretty pretty surprised because Alcatel's cameras in the past, meh, not so not so hot. So TCL is kind of the parent company. So I'm glad to see that they put some effort into into them, uh, at least from a very brief 10 seconds using the camera first impression. (laughs) Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I definitely uh, am excited to to test them out and to actually, you know, use that camera and compare it to other phones as well. Because, yeah, I mean, you have the the specs, but then once you actually test it out, it can sometimes be a totally different story, which I'm sure we've all experienced. (laughs) For sure. Uh, let's quickly switch gears and speak about, we, we briefly touched on it. There's these OnePlus Z rumors. So next week, I think it's on the 14th, OnePlus is supposed to announce their new phones. I guess the 8 and 8 Pro is the rumors. Um, we're going to see what, what they bring to the table. They usually bring a lot to the table for not a lot of money. So it should be very interesting um, to see where they're going with that. But along with all the rumors and leaks around that over the last few weeks, there's also been this rumor and leak of an 8 Lite, which would be like a a tier below the the eight and the the non the normal number and the pro number that they've been doing for a year now, and that would now supposedly be called the OnePlus Z. And did you ever remember playing with the OnePlus X back in the day? I actually did not. Um... It was like um, around the time of the OnePlus 2, they came out with this okay. phone between the OnePlus 2 and the OnePlus 3 called the OnePlus X, which was a mid-range phone, sold for 250 And it was the cheapest phone they ever made. But it was super high-quality build. It was metal and glass and mid-range specs. And it had a cult following. Like 
a lot of people dismissed it because they're like, oh, it's not a OnePlus. You know, we want like Snapdragon 800 series. We want like all the specs. You know, all the nerds were like, this is not really as OnePlus is what we want. But a lot of people are like, no, no, they're trying to go premium and mid-range with this. And I was a big fan. They made one that had white ceramic back. And go check it out on, check out some photos on Google sometime. It's a beautiful design, uh, even to this yeah, day. So anyway. Nice. This OnePlus Z sounds like it could be a return, you know, to some extent to that, to making a phone that's even cheaper than the 8. Probably not with a Snapdragon 800 series, but maybe with like a MediaTek. The rumors is it might have a MediaTek Dimensity, which is one of their 5G chips. So it could be a sub $500 5G phone that would basically compete directly with that 10 5G from TCL, mm -hmm. but probably be much better quality materials. And maybe a 90 hertz display, which is what's rumored right now, which would really be a bummer for TCL because they would get, <laughs> get a sucker punch by OnePlus, which has happened to a lot of companies before, but um, that's just a rumor at this point. And this is, we're not gonna find that out, I think on the 14th. This is more like in like summer type thing, right? Ah, yes. Yeah, yeah, I mean that. Yeah, that ninety hertz display will will definitely be. <laughs> I mean, if they make a ninety hertz phone with a Dimensity eight hundred, Dimensity one thousand five G chip, that you know maybe still has a forty eight megapixel rear camera with maybe a ultra wide, and you know all the goodness of OnePlus software for five hundred or less, I think that thing is gonna be that that and the Pixel four A that's coming. Mm am I going to be my most exciting phones of 2020 for now? Because people have no money right now. And those $1,000 phones are great, but, you know, what if you want a really good phone and want to spend less? And I think those are going to be the poster children for that. Because the Pixel yeah, 3, I... you know, the 3A last year was a great phone. And the rumors on the 4A are really solid as well. Both supposedly are going to be 5G. So we'll see. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think it's definitely I think we're going to be I mean, maybe this coronavirus will change the trajectory of how, you know, smartphone brands see those those like light phones. Um, I mean, even Samsung announced their uh, their A series. Yeah, with is, 5G. Yeah, I saw mm -hmm. that. And, you know, it's it's important. I think that that again, that like whole group has have that whole group of like which I think I sometimes will fall into um, in terms of that category of like, you know, I love to see obviously what brands can, how they can push boundaries in terms of specs, but on a daily basis, uh, you know, I looked at that, that um, A-series and I was like, that's probably something I would prefer, you know, if we're talking, getting all my money's worth, you know. Right, right. Um, uh, and, and practicality. So, uh, yeah, I think if the light, uh, the eight light, you know, is is a thing. I think it's it's definitely going to be uh, a game changer. Um, and hopefully, just like we were talking about with the TCL, I hope we're going to see brands kind of jumping on that bandwagon. Well, I think like... it's inevitable. I mean, it's definitely going to happen on the Chinese phone front. Like, you know, MediaTek made two chips that are specifically for the mid-range 5G, right? They're all low-band, mid-band. None of these support millimeter waves. So if you're on Verizon, you're screwed. Forget it. Until Verizon rolls out some low-band, you're not going to see cheap phones on 5G on Verizon. It's just not possible. Millimeter wave is really expensive. It's only right now on, you know, the highest end of the highest end. Um, 
But if you're looking at Timor and AT&T, uh, low band, I mean, more and more phones are going to support that. And, you know, Qualcomm really only has a 765 at this point for that kind of affordable-ish because it's still very pricey. But I think MediaTek's going to drive that really hard with the 800 and, one th and to some extent the 1000 series. So we ex I, I expect we're going to see more phones in the U.S. for the U.S. market with these chips coming soon. And, you know, as I said, the OnePlus Z, we talked about TCL 10 5G, we, talk, we're we talked about the Pixel 4a 5G, there's going to be a 5G version of that for sure. And who knows what else. But the more, the merrier. I, I kind of want to see Moto come out with something like a G-Series that's a little more premium, maybe in the $350 range, that has, you know, 5G. But again, they tend to be stuck with Qualcomm. So they're going to be, it's hard to reach that 500 price point on the Snapdragon 765, unfortunately. That's where, you know, MediaTek comes in. So also wouldn't be surprised if Qualcomm announces a new chip soon. I'm completely like, I have no idea here. I'm just like hypothesizing, but mm -hmm. it, it would be great to see a 600 series from, from, from Qualcomm that supports 5G for you know, available, like sampling in the fall, available for 2021, so that we can start having Moto G series level phones, like $200 phones, $300 phones with 5G. Because the reality is 5G is here, you know, I'm, I'm using it on AT&T low band, I'm using it on T-Mobile low band. It's marginally faster with better coverage than 4G LTE. There's is no, it's not like super impressive, but it certainly solves a lot of problem and it's gonna do that for a lot of people. And yeah, millimeter wave eventually will become cheaper and it'll be on every carrier and and we'll see, you know, in stadiums and airports like fantastic speeds if we ever go back to an airport or a stadium <laughs> at this point, right? <laughs> but the point is, um, I think that, that millimeter wave has its place. It's just not like, it's not practical. If you want to bring 5G to the masses, we need to aim for these you know, 250 to $500 phones. And we're at the 500 mark, but we need to go lower than that. And so I want to see what Qualcomm brings to the table because MediaTek certainly has something. And and speaking of, I, I didn't mention this on the show last week and the week before, the P40 Pro from Huawei with their high-end 5G uh, Kirin chipset supports T-Mobile and AT&T 5G here in the US. If you stick your T-Mobile SIM in the P40 Pro and you're in a 5G market, 5G will light up on the phone. Same with AT&T. It's amazing. I, yeah. I have not had that luck. I wish I did. Um, not, uh, I, I just, when was, I don't even remember when I was back at the office. Jeez, it sounds like such a while ago. Um, yeah, I mean, with 5G, I definitely planned on dedicating, like, a lot more time in the city to tracking it down. <laughs> um, I'm pretty but, sure Manhattan has low band on Timo, but I'm not sure about low band on each. Yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's correct. So um, the, the the thing for for me is that I'm lucky because I basically live in two cities, Portland, Oregon, and San Francisco. And San Francisco has AT and T five G low band, and Portland has T Mobile five G low band. So uh, my main carrier is T Mobile, my personal one, but I have accounts mm -hmm. on AT and T as well. So I just switch. You know, I use whatever is best for if I want to test 5G. Right. Um, but I don't have a Verizon. I've never tested millimeter wave. I've never tried it. I, like, I've obviously seen demos of it, but I've never yeah. physically had a chance to try it. But I hear that it kills the battery and 
it's very sensitive to you know where you are located in terms of being close to a post or whatever cell tower. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've tested it, right, in New York? I bet. Yeah, with the with the S twenty uh, when I was reviewing the S twenty line, um, the Ultra, obviously, yeah, and uh, of course, I I had so Mashable is under the same company as PC Mag, so I. Um, Went up to Sasha Segan, obviously the 5G. He knows everything, all things 5G. The, you know, the godfather of 5G himself, <laughs> as we all Literally. know, Sasha. Yeah. Literally. And uh, he broke it down for me. He gave me the cross streets and he was like, try here, try here, try here. So my, like our video producer and I wanted to, to actually, you know, see it in action and, and get that footage. And it was a very cold day, I remember. So we weren't as patient as normal, but... um. It just, we went to each cross street that it was supposed to, you know, magically appear at, and we never, we never managed to. So that's why you need to test low band, because low band goes everywhere. Like 600 megahertz on T Mobile, (laughs) it's like super nice. Um, I mean, look, I'm, everybody knows I'm a big T Mobile fan girl, that's for sure. But, um, I have to say, like, it's, um, it's pretty impressive what they've managed to do, lighting it up in most of the country like that. Like, it's not in SF, obviously, but it's funny. You go across the bay in Oakland, although officially they don't have 5G in the Bay Area yet, T-Mobile, officially. Well, parts of Oakland, Alameda in particular, which is this little island off of Oakland, is lit up by 5G. Good times. It's really there. It's really strong. And... Um, so, yeah, it's only a matter of time at this point until uh, we see in more and more markets. Um, but, yeah, it's basically just like LTE on steroids. You know, it just works better. It's like somebody, oh, like, flipped a switch and made 4G work better. But it's not 4G, <laughs> it's 5G. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah I know. And it's funny because when I was out with, with our producer trying to find it, they were like... Um, we were just talking, like, about what 5G was. And they're, I guess, I think they asked me what, like, you know, the... How do we how do we explain this to our Mashable audience? And it was just we were laughing because we were just like, oh, well, you could download a whole season of The Office in like five seconds. Like I think this really is a good stupid. way for you to explain to them. It's like, so like you know how when you have good LTE, you're happy, you don't notice everything's great, and you know that when right. you go down to one bar, like it's iffy. Well, imagine yeah. the iffy goes away in the same location that you are today. If you're on T-Mobile, AT&T, five G, all of a sudden that iffiness that you had on four LG LTE is just gone. Right. Now it just works. Like you don't even just notice smooth. anymore. I mean, it's <laughs> yeah. still slower yeah. than maximum speed on 5G, but it reaches further and somehow just gives you access to, you know, some solid data in places where right. it was a little less uh, obvious before. And that's, I think, what most people really want. People don't really care about downloading an entire movie in three seconds. Right. You know, I mean, eventually these apps will come like when every phone is millimeter wave and millimeter wave is pretty, you know, consistent across big U.S. cities. Yeah. You know, like Uber came out of the 4G revolution, like some stuff's going to come out of 5G. But right now, you know, it's all about low mid band. It's all about low mid band. That's what you really want. That's why you want those $250 to $500 phones with 5G, because none of those are going to support millimeter anyway. I mean, hell, the uh, the Samsung Galaxy S20, the base one, which is now $800, $200 cheaper, still doesn't support millimeter wave, right? Right. So, I mean, unless you buy the Verizon version, which is the same as the V60 from LG. You buy the Verizon version because Verizon is so married to uh, millimeter because they don't have low band yet that 
they are forcing the manufacturers to make these special millimeter wave versions of their phones, which cost more to make and are more complicated. I, ah, Verizon, sometimes. Oh yeah, you're got... such a messy, <laughs> messy little one, aren't you? Oh yeah, especially with that razor phone. But <laughs> oh my god, I saw that video you did with uh, where you put the mic up to the phone. Oh, oh that's the yeah. cringiest sounding recording of it I've I've heard yet. Kudos, by so the way, awful. for the, the AMSR or ASMR or whatever version of like, it's it was crunchy, wasn't it? <laughs> it was bad. I wish, I wish, like, I mean, the microphone definitely captured it, but uh, I really wish that, you know, everybody could have really been there in person because I I kept telling our, our producer, I was like, I don't think it's going to capture how bad it is. And he was like, no, it will. And I was oh, like, ah. <laughs> yeah. So. Awesome. Um, <laughs> speaking of affordable phones, were you in? Did you go to Moto's headquarters for the the briefings back in February? I did not. There were we were briefed on the Moto G back then. I did a hands on video, and so the, the last week I kind of forgot to cover this on the podcast. I just want to let the audience know, the listeners, that if you're a Moto G fan out there, you know that there's a G Stylus and a G Power coming out. I covered them uh, through that hands on video I did a while back, but. What's exciting is that as of April 1st, no, it's not an April 1st joke, the phones are available for pre-order. And so, um, you know, I think they're shipping sometime mid-month or something, but don't take my word for it. The point is that they're coming soon, so if you want one, pre-order it. We know the specs, we know the details, watch my hands-on video. Um, I'm going to link to an article in the show notes as well, so you know about it more. But... um. What is your take on the G series? Have you played with any of the Moto Gs in the past? And have you had a chance to get briefed on the Gs? Um, so I have not played with the Moto Gs in the past. I have seen the Moto G Power. Um, and I am a fan of the Moto G Stylus. Um, I have not been able to play around with it. But I, for some reason, have like a soft spot for for the Stylus in general. I don't know why. Um, but... Uh, I'm definitely excited for that battery on the Moto G Power. I'm interested to see um, yeah, if it can it's, really hold up. I mean, it's going to be pretty solid. I reviewed last year's Moto G 7 Power, which was the predecessor to that, and battery life was the best I'd ever tested until the V60. And it was like two and a half days, no problem, every day, even if you hammered at it. Um, three days, four days, if you didn't use it too hard. Pretty crazy. And... Um, the stylus, I played with it briefly, obviously in Chicago, in my, in my hands-on video and stuff. It basically like it's like having a lot of the Note 10 functionality in a two hundred and fifty dollar mm-hmm. phone. So there you go. I mean, it's not a Wacom type digitizer tablet, you know, high quality, super precise thing. It's just a it uses a touchscreen, the capacitive part, you know. So it's got a little metal nubbin at the end of the stylus, kind of like a tiny little finger, basically. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's not like super fancy in terms of how it does it, but like like the Note is super fancy. But it's um, basically for people who want the Note functionality, I think that phone is going to hit the mark for $250, you know? Yeah. I mean, the style, I think having that stylus is just definitely a very, um, it's a niche type deal. Oh, for sure. <laughs> but for those who want it, like, I think somebody needs to write a story that says, you know, Moto G stylus versus Galaxy Note 10. You know, like somebody yeah. needs to do that because yeah. what does that extra $750 buy you, right? I mean, obviously right. better specs and a better camera, you know, 
But in terms of core functionality, do you really get anything more out of a note than the G stylus? That's the story somebody needs to write. Mm. You know? Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think I think especially like if you I something tells me that if you're getting a phone, you know, like the Note 10 for that stylus specifically and for that note taking functionality that everything else, you know, in terms of camera or additional features are probably not top of your list of things that need to be um high no. quality yeah. <laughs> so i think that this g style is definitely it makes sense especially yeah. in comparison to the note 10 for sure so in the same way as we should find out more about that one plus z at some point mm -hmm. and definitely we'll find out everything about the 8 and 8 pro next week we will find out more about the Moto G and Stylus and G Power pretty soon. So those of you who are shopping for an affordable phone today, maybe hold off just a little longer because there's more options coming. And the other option that's coming, we should talk about is the uh, iPhone SE, which we now know is called iPhone SE, the, the replacement for the old SE, which we thought was going to be called iPhone 9. A bunch of leaks have come out, including in the Apple device store. And in the uh, in Verizon's uh, store, there's been leaks of the name of the new iPhone, uh, the cheap iPhone or affordable, I should say, iPhone. It's going to be, we expect, less than $400, right? We don't know anything about it, but the reality is that it's coming. It's coming soon. We're seeing more and more leaks and rumors. And I'm excited about this one. But first of all, because my, my spouse is ready to upgrade. They don't like big phones and they want a fingerprint sensor. They want touch ID. So there you go. Um, what's your take on that? Do you think, um, I mean, you probably think that we need that. I think we need that. We need an, a phone, an SE replacement. So it's funny. I actually found an old iPhone um, in my drawers here at home. Uh, iPhone, I think it's the 4. Um, uh -huh. And it has that home button and it's like really tiny and cute. And I was just holding it and I was like, oh my God, like, what I would do to have this because I looked at my 11 Pro and I was like I don't I miss I miss like the some of that old school functionality. Do you have the 11 Pro or do you have the 11 Pro Max? Um well so I have the 11 Pro but I just recently switched from uh the iPhone 10R. Um, oh, okay. And then before that I had like the 10s Max or Oh, I can't the really think big that one. far back. Yeah, so, and then before that, I had the, the 8 Plus and the 7 Plus. So I've always had those plus size uh, phones. Right, right. Um, I don't know why. I just, I, I, I just really, or I thought I preferred them until I do like the iPhone 11 Pro now. Um, I think it's just, it's perfect for my tiny hands. That's a great um, phone. I mean, no matter is. what. It is. It uh, is. But it was definitely a lot to get used to at first. But uh, in terms of the iPhone SE, I, I'm a little, I'm not going to lie, I'm a little scared for what the reaction is going to be to bringing back that, that touch ID button, only because I always, I always look to my friends who aren't really paying that much attention to, you know, tech stuff and news, um, and when I told them about it, they were just like, oh, no, like, who wants a touch ID button? But it's not like, for them, right? It's for right. the people who haven't upgraded since the original SE. <laughs> Mm -hmm. For the people who are afraid of Touch ID or don't want it, it's for the people who just need an iPhone but don't want to spend $700, which is right now the very reasonable, I think, for what it is, price for an iPhone 11, you know? Yeah. Um, and giving them most of that functionality for $400, I think, is something that, you know, they'll get over their 
if they break their nice fancy iPhone 11 Pro <laughs> and uh, they can't get a new one on contract pretty quickly, they're going to probably be perfectly happy with the iPhone SE when it comes out, is what I'm saying to you. And it's not, not going to be as small as the old SE. It's, a bit, it's about the same size as an iPhone 8, non-plus, yeah. you know, so it's 4.7-inch yeah. screen. I really think they should have made it, you know, with a face ID, like, you know, screen with very little bezel, like cover the whole phone with screen. But I think it's too expensive at that point. Like that would bring it closer to the iPhone 11 in terms of price. And mm -hmm. I think the whole point of this is to keep it under $400, I think so. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely excited about it. I, I mean, can I confidently sit here and say that I would switch it to like my primary no, device. No, you and I are not the audience for this. <laughs> Who I, I knows? Think, well, I think we're going to test it, obviously, but I'm thinking yeah. like, as I said, there's an entire bunch of people out there that are running on older iPhones that have been yes. waiting to upgrade and are not really 100% comfortable on spending the kind of money that Apple wants and kind of converting over to Face ID. I mean, it's inevitable that they're going to convert over to Face ID at some point. But they're still not quite ready for that. And I think iPhone making a phone for that audience, that audience is a lot of people in the US, you know? Like, because we live in cities and we're tech nerds and our friends are younger. We tend to like have all the latest stuff. But, right. you know, if you look around when you go to like Walmart sometime, you know, I'm sure there's one near you somewhere in New Jersey right now. Mm -hmm. Just, yep. I mean, obviously you don't want to leave the house right now. But I'm just saying, if you were to go there, just look around and you'll see like a lot of iPhones that are very old. Yeah, I mean, I think there's something to be said for the fact that, what, isn't it like the iPhone 6? That's still, like, pretty common. So the 6 is no longer supported by iOS 13. Right. Uh, 12, it tops off at 12. I think the 6S still supports S, yes. 13, though. 6S. I, I think I read somewhere, or for some reason, I feel like the 6S has been, like, still popping up a lot in terms of, like, either the phones that people still have or... Yeah. Um, the ones that like they found it, you know, they, they found that they had it and then they switched back to it after, like you said, they broke their phone. Um, so I think this may be if, if the iPhone S, like, you know, if the iPhone S, when the iPhone SE does come out, um, I think that this might be for sure for them. You know, yeah. like it's, a, it's a good jumping off. I mean, you got to remember the context of the first iPhone SE, right? At that time, they were making, they had the 5S a chassis still. So they decide, hey, Let's put the 6S guts in the 5S chassis. That's how the SE came to mm -hmm. be. Mm -hmm. So now it's the same thing. Let's put the 11 guts, like the base 11 guts, in an iPhone 8 chassis. That's exactly what they're doing. And so what do we get as consumers? We get the benefit of the iPhone 11's main camera, which, as you know, is amazing. So boom. And then you get uh, whatever it is, the Bionic A12, Bionic A whatever it is, A13, whatever the latest version is. Mm-hmm. That's a baller thing to have. Yeah. And then the rest is just, you know, leftover parts. But that's okay. Like, that's a pretty huge upgrade in the same way as the SE with the iPhone 6S guts was a big upgrade over the 5S, even though it looks the same as a 5S. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm definitely very happy that they are, you know, likely putting that A13 uh, chip in because... Uh, otherwise, you know, those iOS upgrades really kill that processor i know right so you know i know that yeah, obviously the a14 is going to come out in september but um this one you know even if people get it right now it's it's still going to last them you know pretty a pretty long time with that processor and also you know i just thought of 
the fact that, uh, speaking of who is probably going to want this, I know for a fact somebody like my mom is definitely going to want this new phone. She's on the iPhone 7 Plus. Uh, she had switched from the original SE and has not stopped talking about that phone. And that's what I'm saying. Like, I Same. think there's a huge demand out there. Apple's yeah. doing the right thing. It's not yeah. for us, but it's for a lot of people. And yes. until those people can be dragged, kicking and screaming into face ID land, this is going to be their, th- their solution, you know? So speaking of Apple, you've been, you've been playing with the MacBook Air 2020 yes. edition, which uh, is the best MacBook we've seen since, oh, well, for a long time because it's affordable, has more storage, has a better keyboard. So what, what's your take? Like, are you, I haven't played with it. Are you madly in love with it? Are you going to switch? Um, so am I, ma- okay. Yes, I am madly in love with it. Am I going to switch? Yes, probably. <laughs> um, I, the last MacBook, so obviously I use a MacBook Air for work. Um, Which one do and, you have? And, oh, it's like an older one. I should know. Actually, I can look it. Uh, 2015 version. Yeah, so it has a MagSafe charger, right? Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Well, that's um, really old. Yes, and I mean, it's it runs like really super well and stuff, and I don't use the keyboard because I normally have a, a monitor hooked up, so I have like a... But the keyboard on that is a good keyboard, so it doesn't matter. It is, it is. I've just, I actually, um, I recently started using um, the Pixelbook Go, and that like transformed... Oh my God, the keyboard on that? Yes, it, I have never been annoying about a keyboard until using that laptop and i was like this is transformative like now i'm just very judgy about keyboards not I've even never... though, right <laughs> i know i'm this i mean i mean i've always been a little judgy about keyboards on laptops but the pixelbook go is probably the best i've ever used it's ever. a trans i don't i don't know what it is it has magical powers that make you a lot more productive i will like stand by that um because <laughs> i used it at ces and i was just like typing away and then i get back to this thing and i'm like oh my god uh uh, yeah and and also to go back to the the macbook the new macbook air um i had the i did have the um previous version i think for like a little bit and that butterfly keyboard was so loud um oh yeah i have i have a macbook 12 inch like you know remember the really tiny skinny one Yes. You know, the non-Air, yes. non-Pro. I have yes. that one, the original. Ooh. And I'm still using it. Actually, in fact, I'm recording the podcast on it right now. Oh, and, nice. Uh, and I tell you, my keyboard still works, which is incredible because this phone, this thing is five years old now. Um, every now and then, my comma key, you know, the the comma, the key right above the, mm-hmm. the right command button, mm-hmm. it gets a little sticky and I just hammer at it away with my finger. <laughs> and then it fixes itself for like another year. Um, right. But honestly, it's been good to me, and it's a little slow because it's a little old, and more importantly, it's a low-power chip. But uh, and the battery probably needs to be replaced at some point. But whatever. The point is, it still works. And you're right. That butterfly keyboard, oh my god, is it not was... conducive to doing work. No, no. And it was just like I had so much paranoia all the time and anxiety that like all that people could hear was this damn keyboard. I, I mentioned in my review that like I brought it over to my brother's apartment. I was doing work and he literally turned to me and was like, is there a way to like turn the volume down on that keyboard? <laughs> and I was like, there is not. Um, and then obviously people later on after that started having, you know, issues where it was just breaking on them and keys weren't working. And it's just like you're yeah. putting 
so much money into this machine that should just have a nice keyboard. It doesn't have to be so complicated. Um, but they fixed it now. They did. Um, this this new, you know, magic keyboard, um, I think, is is definitely the way to go and the way that they should go and should have went and should have gone yeah. <laughs> from the start. Um, yeah, like that key travel, is it's minor. It really is minor in comparison to um, the butterfly keyboard, but it makes such a huge difference. So yeah. for that alone, I would... I would recommend somebody to get that. Uh, but in terms of other things like performance, um, you know, I, I really did not have anything to complain about. Um, I used it, you know, during a typical work day to run every single app under the sun. Um, and yeah, now I find myself, you know, to go back to your question of like, am I switching? I really wanted to stick with the Pixelbook. <laughs> yeah. You can use it to write stuff, right? That's the thing, right? Like I, I actually use multiple computers and I, when I want to do editing and photos and video editing and stuff, I use a, you know, I use a Mac. But usually when I'm typing articles and stories, I use whatever laptop I'm reviewing at the time. And oftentimes I use like a Pixelbook or a Chromebook or even a Windows machine, you know. It's like everything is in the cloud. I just write in Google Docs anyway, so I don't care. Right, right. Yeah, there, uh, that's true. I mean, uh, the reason I even picked up the Pixelbook to begin with was because I was going to CES and I always carry a bunch of stuff on the floor and it kills my entire body. And so yeah, I was like, give sure. me something lightweight where I don't need to uh, worry about the battery life and uh, worry that it's going to destroy me by the end of the day. So that one was like the perfect option. Um, but honestly, I can confidently say I would easily throw the MacBook Air in my bag for the next trade show and, and feel. Hooray! <laughs> yeah, I have a feeling that also they nailed the, you know, the spec price point like the fact that they doubled the initial storage and put eight gigs of ram and then also made it 999 for that with yes. that with those specs is it it needed to happen so bad and i'm glad they finally did that because now you know i know that if this macbook dies and this is my main mobile you know journalism computer i would just replace it with the new air now without uh, you know without skipping a heartbeat because i don't feel like i'd be you know wasting my money and mm -hmm. I wouldn't feel like I needed to upgrade. I would probably buy the 1299 version that has even more storage, but that's just because I know I sometimes do video editing and stuff and I need a bit more. But you know, yeah. it's like, I think they finally made a MacBook that I can feel I can replace my old one with, which hasn't happened in five years. I mean, short of buying a pro, right? I mean, that's a whole different story though. Right, yeah, I think, the, you know, I remember my first, oh, actually I had like, let's see, in, when I was in like high school, I had like the original, the macbook but um then when i went to college i my first one was the macbook air and i remember i like obviously needed to save money and so i got it was 9.99 at that time i specifically mm -hmm. remember because i was like i want to spend under a thousand dollars and um uh so i wanted another macbook and so the air was the way to go but yeah I, storage had been something that i'd always struggled with uh, with the airs. So, you know, well, it was either you sacrifice storage and you pay less or you have to, you know, shell out that money. Um, I remember at that time in college, I was like, oh, I have to get an external hard drive. It'll be fine. But it's such, it was such a nightmare. This sounds like yeah. so long ago. Um, but so to double that base storage and still keep that price under a thousand is life-changing it's amazing uh, and and i'm really so happy brilliant. like a lot of what we're talking about here with the se the iphone se that's coming up and and 
um, this this new MacBook Air is is really a good example of Apple listening to its customers. Finally, we did we had to do a lot of bitching to get there though. Oh, but for sure. I'm glad to see that they are listening and that they're making the changes. I know it's not easy to switch over back to a proper keyboard after the butterfly debacle. I mean, obviously, the 16-inch MacBook Pro was the first. The new Air is the second. We're going to get a 14-inch MacBook Pro at some point that will have um, updated keyboard for sure. But, you know, it's going to take a little while before they convert everything over. But this is well on its way because the Air is their bread and butter and I'm very happy to see what Apple's done there. If you're a Mac user, you know, this is the way to go. Now, if I could get over my annoyance with Catalina, <laughs> that would be the, the next gripe for me. I mean, I, I haven't upgraded to Catalina on any of my Macs, and I would probably downgrade my next Mac to an older version, like the one just before, so, mm -hmm. simply because I need 32-bit apps. So, mm. yeah. Yeah, I mean, for me, I... I just mainly use like the standard, you know, your Spotify, Chrome. Um, yeah, but at that point, I have oh, a Chromebook right. for that. You know, for me, it's True. like I need a little more than I know that. That's I need to be able to run. <laughs> like I've got all this legacy. I've been using a Mac since the early 2000s. I've got all this legacy software that I need that I like to use. You know, I don't right. need it. I don't. I use it maybe once a week, but it's nice to have. I don't want to have to fire up a virtual machine running an old version of Mac OS inside my Mac. <laughs> To I, run my old apps, it's kind of ridiculous to do that, you know. Yeah, that is. So, true. so I'm, I'm, uh, I'm. Eventually, all these apps that I have will get updated to support to be 64-bit, and 64. everything will be fine, you know. Yeah. But slowly. Um, slowly. So right now, that's, <laughs> that would be my approach. I would buy it, and I would roll back the version, mm -hmm. and I'd be okay for a while. And usually, I keep my macOS versions for two years. So. Or maybe longer. Let me see. What am I on this on this Mac right now? I'm running, ta-da, High Sierra. So, yeah, a few versions back, like two years, three years ago now. And I'm happy with that. I don't really feel like I need anything else, frankly. I know. I'm the worst with, with keeping. Uh, like, my phones are one thing, obviously, but uh, with my laptops, like I, <laughs> especially hard, with right? MacBooks, it's, you just click that later button all the time. <laughs> <laughs> you're like tomorrow uh, remind me tomorrow remind i know me. and you imagine if you're a windows user where it actually does monopolize your computer for 15 minutes when you do an update uh, at least on the mac it's pretty quick so yeah yeah for sure so one last thing i want to talk about real quick is um we covered the lg v60 thank you 5g dual screen what a mouthful that is on the show <laughs> a few times now but there's rumors this week that you know, we've already heard rumors that the LG G9, which is the other flagship they do every year, is not coming at all. But there's rumors of um, an entire new line of mid-range phones from LG that are kind of designed to compete in that uh, not premium flagship, but the affordable flagship space, like that $500, $600 range where OnePlus is playing on their lower-end phone. And it would be heavily inspired by the old uh, chocolate series phones that they did back in the early 2000s mm. so it's got me intrigued i mean i like lg but i always feel like their phones are disappointing because you know they don't seem to care about users they seem to care about carriers and so they make phones that are really you know custom built to the carrier's uh demands rather than to the what we users want i mean audio is always really great which i'm a big fan of but it's always a little disappointing to me. So I'm I'm kind of hoping that with this new chocolate inspired mid-range G replacement 
they'll be um, they'll be coming out with something that's a little more exciting. And I've been saying for a while now that they should be playing in the OnePlus Xiaomi $500, $600 range or even Oppo. You could throw Oppo in there as well mm -hmm. because it's it's um it's a very interesting place to be. It's, it's I call it the affordable flagship. So you basically have almost flagship specs, really premium quality and materials, but not thousand dollars. You know what I'm saying? Whereas premium flagships are like you know thousand dollars and stuff. Um, and so I'm I'm hoping to see them do that. What's your take? Like do you do you feel like LG needs a little bit of love right now? Do they need to do this? Or do you care? Well, so. The LG, well, going back a bit to the LG V60 thin cube mouthful title blah. of the phone. <laughs> the LG V60 blah. Um, yeah, I, I think that I've just, I'm not going to lie, like, I was just bored by that <laughs> when we first saw it. Um, oh, yeah. And so, you know, especially, it was definitely a, an interesting time to, um, to launch that phone. It's the last briefing I've ever had in person since uh, yes. the virus hit. Yes, same. And um, yeah, I mean, especially coming off of like, you know, we were we were coming off of a, a like two foldable phones, the S20. Oh yeah, of course, the there Z were, Flip. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, like there were so many cool things happening and like I walked into this briefing and I was like, okay, like what are they doing? Like how are they going to reinvent reinvent this one? And then they showed us everything and I was like, okay. <laughs> like It's like, did you read the audience? <laughs> yeah, like we got the dual screens again and we have like the ambient now we have that ambient audio recording and it was just it was I remember I was standing with, you know, another reporter and we were just like in our heads just going down like what is new about the phone and we were staring at it and we were like, wait, what is new? Like what is it again? So I think that LG probably needs this, uh, you know, like they need yeah. something. I mean, the reviews speak for themselves. I published my review on hot hardware last week of the V60, but it's, look, I like LG. Traditionally, they've made some really cool stuff. It's just that it's never been, it always seems to me like they're not focusing on the end user or the current like, it's one thing you'd buck the trends and have a headphone jack. I love it. I think it's great. You know, the quad DAC sounds fantastic if you're into that. But I feel like they're not bucking the trends as much as like, you know, going to the carriers first and like, hey, we're not as big as Samsung and we still want to sell phones on your network. What can we do to make you happy? Instead mm -hmm. of, um, what is Samsung doing? What's OnePlus doing? Mm -hmm. What's Apple doing? Uh, what's, you know... What are we doing? How can we stay competitive? What can we do to distinguish ourselves? And then asking the carers, hey, what do you think of that? You 100%. Know what I'm yeah, I agree. I 100% agree. I almost felt bad sitting there, like listening to all of these specs and, you know, I all, again, also realizing what was already out there and how people were, you know, how certain brands were challenging the market and, and trying to, you know, Sure, the razor, in my opinion, sucked, but there was Moto trying something, you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they exactly. tried, and it might have fallen flat. But you know, now they're going to reiterate, and other brands are going to reiterate for the next version. How can we make it I better? Mean, so, Samsung yeah. has shown us finally that you can make a viable flip phone. Uh, sorry, folding phone with mm -hmm. the Z Flip. I had it for a little week or so, and it was amazing. I was so in love with that thing. Um, I'm not a big fan of the fold, though. And of course, the razor was a mess. And and so, you know, it just shows you that if you persist and you keep trying, you can eventually get there. 
And yeah, it's expensive. And yeah, you know, it's it's a bit of a status uh, symbol to buy a Z Flip today. You're not getting the best specs, but you know, it's such a cool phone. Like, wow, you know? Yeah, yeah. that thing was. I I definitely. I, I mean, mean, you want to see the future of a phone? This this is it right there. You show mm -hmm. that to your friends, and they're like. Either they're like, I don't care, I don't need that. <laughs> or they're like, holy crap, I okay. want, 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 right? Yeah, yeah. And so I mean I, I definitely would like to see that from LG. I think it's I think it's time. Um and yeah. I I think what you had mentioned that um it's supposed to look like the or it's supposed to resemble the chocolate. Is that what you had said? Yeah, so the chocolate was actually a whole line of phones. They didn't have just they had uh, some sliders. Um, yes. They had some, maybe some flip, but, but this is back in the day before folding, of course. Yeah, um, But the they also had some candy bars. So they had some that were touchscreen phones that weren't smartphones. They were like, you know, feature phones with touchscreens yes. that were shaped, basically looked like a, like a candy bar. They looked like yes, a chocolate yes. bar. Oh my um, God, the yes. BL40 is the most famous one of them. It never made it to the US, that one. Mm. Um, it was a really cool looking I just remember uh, when the... it came around the time of the iPhone and it was a touchscreen phone with a capacitive touchscreen uh, that was a feature phone from LG. Really nice. And so I think that's where they're going with it. I don't think this is going to be a folding phone. I think this is going to be squarely aimed at, you know, Oppo, Xiaomi, OnePlus in that $500, $600 affordable flagship range, Snapdragon 700 series, you know, not flagship, flagship, but close to flagship. But no BS, not like the V60 where you cut corners to meet a price and to meet the carriers. Mm -hmm. And this is kind of what I'm hoping to see here. And of course, exquisite industrial design inspired by the chocolate series, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I hope that this, that, you know, this is what's going to kind of finally set them apart because, I mean, they I can't. <laughs> I can't fully speak on the V60 because I have yet to publish my review because things are crazy. But, um, you know, I just, um, first impressions are everything already. And you can even tell by just the, the reaction from, you know, obviously we, you and I follow a lot of mostly tech people. But, you know, when you, when something like the flip or the razor reached even my friends or beyond that. I realized like, wow, people are talking about this. So the V60 yeah. was like, yeah, I don't think if I asked anybody on the street what the LG V60 ThinQ was, anyone would. They're like, the what? Yeah. And it's also just also coming off of those foldables, you know, with the the dual screen and like the ability to attach and detach it. That probably would have been cool like a while back, you know. Four years then, ago? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And then you're like, wait a second, this is massive, number one. It looks like a Oh, tablet. God, it's so big. And if it can fold the, like, now we got phones that are folding the other way that I could just slip into my pocket. So why am I even like, why? Yeah. Why are we doing this? So, yeah. I think so it's, much it's... why. That's, I think that's, that should be a title for your review. V60 yeah, Think Q 5G dual screen, colon. Why? Why? <laughs> Honestly, yeah. I mean, now I have a, now I have an angle. So that's good. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. Well, Brenda, do you want to tell the folks on the show, the listeners, where they can find you on the internet? Yes. Um, so I am on Twitter, uh, at bstoli is my handle. Um, and then you can also just find me at mashable.com. Uh, Twitter is my main, my main social media platform, I'd say. Um, and then the rest of my life is with Mashable. <laughs> That's right. Married to Mashable. Yes. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, you should follow Brenda if you're not already. Uh, really great coverage on the modal tech front. And you know where to find me, folks. I'm at Tankerl on Twitter and Instagram. That's T-N-K-G-R-L. Think uh, Tankerl the comic book, but drop the vowels. And on Twitter is where you want to discuss the podcast with me because there's no very easy way to comment on podcasts. So just uh, let it rip on the Twitters for the comments. And uh also, Instagram is where you find pretty pictures of phones and pretty pictures taken with phones, I guess. And then uh, there's a YouTube channel that goes with the podcast called youtube.com slash mobile tech podcast. You bet. Check it out. Got some unboxings there, some hands-on, some reviews. Basically, just complimentary content, visual content that goes with the podcast since it's audio only. So check all that out. And of course, if you just happen to listen to this show because... Brenda retweeted or whatever and you want to subscribe please do so at mobiletechpodcast.com we're also on Google Podcasts Apple Podcasts uh, Spotify Pocket Cast if you're using that awesome app on Android and uh, look for for the show there and subscribe tell your friends you know if you have the ability to write a review or rate the podcast on whatever platform you're using please do so. It really helps. We want you to subscribe to the YouTube channel as well. So when I say we, is me and my guests. So please subscribe to the YouTube channel, uh, like and click the little notification bell, all that good stuff. And I also want to remind you that donating helps. We, we can use your help. So there's a donate link in the show notes below. But also I want to thank our sponsor, Audible. They've been with us since pretty much the very beginning of this particular version of my podcast. So a couple of years or more now. And they're really an awesome platform for books. If you love reading, but for some reason, you know, right now you're having to drive a UPS truck all day or something. And uh, thank you for doing that, by the way. But if you are and you want to listen to some books rather than read them, Audible is your platform of choice. You check it out. Lots of selection, lots of great books. A lot of them are read by the authors, which I really like. And um, if you want to support the show, you can actually get a deal. 30-day free trial with one free book at the end, whether you stay or not, is the deal. And there is a link in the show notes. It's audibletrial.com slash mobiletech. That's audibletrial.com slash mobiletech. So please support us by donating and support us by clicking through and joining Audible. If you haven't yet, there's no strings attached, but you will support the show if you do. Great platform, great books, great selection. Awesome if you're a bookworm. Reading is sometimes not easy, so listening solves that problem. So thanks to Audible again, and thanks to you, Brenda, for being on the show. Really appreciate you joining me this week. Yeah, thank you for having me. It was great speaking with you. I had a lot of fun. Fantastic. We'll have you on again sometime, and you folks all know there'll be a show next week, so stay tuned for that. And until then, cheers, everybody. This has been the Mobile Tech Podcast with Tank Girl, proudly presented by worldpodcasts.com. You can visit us online at mobiletechpodcast.com.